us on the other side is anyone's guess. It's the sick piranha. The ultimate opportunist has done it again. This is a travesty. I am your world champion. Judgment Day is coming. That title belongs to me. I'm taking it back. Anytime, anywhere, bring Batista on. Judgment Day. I'll be your judge, jury, your executioner. Bobby Lashley versus Mr. McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Umar. I will take back my ECW title. I do not ever back down from any challenge. You want this, you go through me. Great colleague, you just signed up for the fight of your life. Thomas, what have you got in store for us for the game? So, you guys have already got a little bit of a leg up on this, based on what we've been talking about. I would like you to name me every single member of the SmackDown roster from 2007. Fucking hell. I'm tempted to refuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, there are some people that are across brands as well, yeah. and I will accept them. Um, there are there are 63 people. 63? Oh, the no, no tie then. So... No, no tie. I mean, I tell you what, if you boys get to the end of this, considering the amount of stinkers that there are on this fucking roster, we'll go. So I will go with Tinky first. Uh, I'm going to go with Batista. You are correct. David Deacon Blue Batista. I'll go Edge. Uh, Edge is correct. The rated R superstar. (laughs) Uh, Undertaker. Uh, The Undertaker has taken you into pole position. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will go Jeff Hardy mate <laughs> he's not done it again has he flipping uh, out I, oh, I, Jeff I Hardy you know part, partially that was that old oh, man you might have been given that if you'd have if you'd have made Tom's thing that he does every time yeah, he says Jeff, Jeff Hardy but <laughs> Jeff Hardy get away out. yeah so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give for you for fuck's sake <laughs> I had I was going to say great Carly because he said he transferred over to Smackdown during that what we no. just talked about He's, he's not included on on here as as it. Well, that list is rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy, might have actually been on there. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Carol, Tinky, why are you why are you criticizing Tinky? If Tinky wants a tainted victory, then that's up to him, isn't it? Oh, so hang on, two seconds, right? So if I do, you can fill. This is a very good website. It's SmackdownHotel.com, and you can do pre-draft or post-draft. I was on redraft well let's let's just see if jeff hardy's on the post draft and if not i win yeah uh no oh jeff so i win but, so. I, but was out of curiosity was the great Kelly on it post-draft must have been well? must have been no he's not well the website's wrong then because he definitely switched over to smackdown on 2007 wwe draft 
By the way, anyway, fuck this. Right, let's carry on with the uh, with the rest of this. Then. So, SmackDown, do you want to hear who I've got on here as being on the SmackDown brand? Do I ever. All right, so, this is an absolute shambles. Hang on two seconds, I'm just going to refresh the page. This is what happens when you try to wing it like you've done today, Tom. Speaking of winging it, what my uh, what my uh, selection about animal names the other week really good. <laughs> so, Ashley Massaro, Batista, Booker T, Brian Kendrick, Chavo Guerrero, Cherry, Chris Benoit, Chris Masters, Chuck Palumbo, Kurt Hawkins, Davari, Dave Taylor, Juice, Domino, Edge, Eugene, Festus, Finley, Funaki, Gregory Helms, Hardcore Holly, Hornswoggle, JBL, Jamie Noble, Jesse, Jillian Hall, Jimmy Wang Yang, Joey Mercury, Justin Roberts, Kane, Kenny, Crystal, Layla, Mark Henry, Matt Harvey, Hardy, Michael Cole, Michelle McCall, Montel Vontavious Porter, Mr. Kennedy, Paul London, uh, Ranjan Singh. Yep. To this website, he was on there, but no great Cully. Rey Mysterio, The Ripper, Scotty Dewey, <laughs> Shannon Moore, Charmel, soon to be royalty, uh, Simon Dean, Yes. Sylvain Grognier, Tanka, the Boogeyman, the Great Cali, there he is. There he's you go. The, he's under the, as is the Miz and the Undertaker. And the Jeff Hardy as well. <laughs> Tony Chimor, Tori Wilson, Vicky Guerrero, Victoria, Vito, William Regal and Zack Ryder. Well, I've got to be honest, that was probably the worst game we've had so far on the podcast. Some absolute stinkers in there. Terrible. Absolute yeah, stinkers. so is it me next week? It is you next week hosting the game, so just be prepared, old man. Always prepared. Like the professional that you are. Okay, so it is Judgment Day here on the Random Wrestling Review, and as a consequence, we'll be channeling Judge Dredd, Judge Judy, Judge Rinder, Judge John Deed, Judge Reinhold, Kavanaugh QC, and Rumpole of the Bailey for your entertainment. If those references went over your head, then you're either not British, not old, or not uncool, so be thankful. And for those who did understand them, we can only apologise. We're in the same position ourselves. Joining me to pass verdict on the show we're covering this week is a man who may have been found not guilty, but that doesn't mean he's innocent. It's old man Sam Kerry. Sam, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Can I just say, I know we uh, we said that Bob Carroll's was probably got his first reference, which was a uh, quashed. Uh, that's definitely the first time Judge John Deed has ever been mentioned on any podcast, I think, ever. Yeah, man, you obviously haven't listened to the official Judge John Deed podcast, have you? <laughs> Well, it's because I, I applied for the position of presenter, but they fucking cut me out. They shipped me off. But anyway, back to it. Hello to everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, I've been on the white throne and I'm ready to go. Surely you should be ready to go before you sit on the white throne. You don't want to be ready to go afterwards, do you? Well, to be honest, mate, it's, it's happened to the best of us. And also, you don't want to be sat on the toilet before you're ready to go, or else you could end up with piles. Yes. <laughs> which again has happened to the best of us <laughs> and on that note as also, as also on the show is Tom Smith who it's safe to say was banged to rights from the start Thomas how are you? it was me it was me all along <laughs> I'd yell as the uh, innocent party who was found the guilty verdict was sentenced off and I'd get away with the crime scot-free <laughs> so I remember what Tom was referencing which is obviously a man revealing himself to be the higher power for the ministry 
he'd revealed himself to Austin the Monday before, hadn't he? Yeah. And then he was like, hey, where's me, Austin? And Austin's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, come on, Prince, I know. So I, I don't remember this, what happened? So he, he kind of had him on, I think he had him on Undertaker's symbol, I think, yeah. from what I remember. And he showed him his face. He showed Austin his face, but the camera didn't see it. And then right. the following week, the show opened with the higher power coming out and then him going, it was me, Austin. It was me. But he'd already kind of shown him his face. But I think it's possibly because they hadn't decided who it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, always definitely. And did, yeah. did, uh, did Austin sell it as if he was like shocked? Well, by that point, he wasn't. I don't think he was on screen because obviously it was the following yeah. week. So, uh, of course. Yeah. So, uh, I, to be honest, this is all from memory because I haven't watched it since it, it happened. So I, I could be I, all wrong. I love the idea of like taking kayfabe into account. Like, what happened in that week? <laughs> <laughs> They're like posing for like photo, like Vincent Mann posing with photographs of like the ministry, and they've got someone else. I tell you what, pretending to be the higher power. I tell you what, this would be an amazing series for the WWE Network to do. Would be for them to do a kind of a kayfabe so, oh. explanation of all the weird booking decisions and things yeah. that they've done and try and figure out how they can actually explain away why that was okay that, that way that made sense well the thing that, that made me think of this and I, I think i've mentioned this to old man already i can't remember if i have thank you for giving but a couple of weeks ago now there's a rapper called shock g who passed away and he um has an alias called um humpty hump um but the, the, basically what what happened is he he would change his voice and like lower it an octave and make it a lot more nasally and when he performed as Humpty Hump he was basically just the same guy but he wore like a pair of glasses with a fake nose on them um but he took it so seriously if anybody if Humpty Hump was ever interviewed was if shocked you was ever interviewed and Humpty Hump came up he um like would be like oh no he's not here he's off getting a massage or something like that and what they would also do is at live performances they have someone dressed up like Humpty Hump a guy who just looked like him on stage with them in the background and they like took it really seriously they properly kayfaved it it was amazing it's a shame that people knew about it though it would have been even more amazing if it was only revealed after he'd passed away that they were the same but, person what's, what's amazing is that Humpty Hump's got an entire backstory which is all absolutely nonsense and fabricated but it got um it was like it, it they obviously told someone and someone on like a chart show who didn't realize it um actually read out his entire like history career oh, history so without amazing. realizing that he wasn't a real person oh. <laughs> so so Stupid as usual fuckers. so as usual other other industries get kayfabe the better done better yes, than wrestling exactly. itself yeah. um today we are indeed covering wwe judgment day 2007 and i don't know if you boys noticed this but i lent pretty heavily into the courtroom theme during that that intro just then um which i'm yep. sure isn't quite the biblical thing that wwe were going for with calling their pay-per-view judgment day but I went with it all the same. I took it literally. What can we say? Um, we're going to get into the, the show in just a second. Before we get going with that, just a quick request from us. Please give us a rating and a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Five stars would be preferable, of course. Yes. It'd be much Six, if anything. Six well, in the Tokyo Dome. Six, six stars in the Tokyo <laughs> Dome. In fact, if you could just, I tell you what, if you could just give us a five star rating and then write six stars in the Tokyo Dome. That would yes. be a magnificent reference to show that you love our podcast and you're listening yeah. enough that you even took on board old man's suggestion. Yes. So Judgment Day 2007, let's talk about our what we anticipated for this show, what we thought was going to what we thought we were going to see. Uh, old man, let's start with you. I wasn't watching at this stage. I had to uh, 
go way back in my brain to think, when did I watch the WrestleMania this year? And I can remember watching it at my parents' house about, I don't know, it must have been a month later because they were showing it free on Sky Sports as they were, as they used to do back in the good old days. And uh, all I can remember from that uh, WrestleMania are Vince's noises when he's having his head shaved. That's pretty Mm. much it. That's pretty much all I can remember. So my expectations came from the initial hype video. So I'm not going to go into what the matches are, but it made me think of Meatloaf when he said, don't be sad, two out of three ain't bad. And I looked at those three matches that are in the hype video and I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to be sad here. I think I'm going to be sad. <laughs> and, but I was optimistic that they'd have a solid enough undercard that would get me through. Interesting. You talk about WrestleMania 23 there, because I was thinking about this as well. And you know what? I, I can't I can't say for certain that I've ever watched either WrestleMania 22 mm. or 23 all the way through. I can't, I, I can't be certain I've watched either. The, every other one, I'm absolutely, absolutely certain I've watched at least once all the way through those two i'm i'm just not sure and i think this coincides with this being the period 2006 through to about 2009 would be the period where i least watched wrestling now that's not to say i didn't still keep up with it because i was still reading power slam pretty religiously but i just didn't watch it which is really bizarre but it just was a time when i just wasn't really um looking at it tom your 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 expectations going in um, so my expectations were, one, I'm looking forward to a good Kane match. Um, <laughs> based off of the, uh, based off of the, the promotional poster. Um, also, I am going to spoil this three matches, sorry. Because I can't talk about the rest of the card without acknowledging these three matches. So in the, the hype video to it, we, because again, I didn't know what was on this pay-per-view other than Kane. Um, so there's... Um, <laughs> We're going to get uh, Edge versus Batista, Bobby Lashley versus the McMahon team, and we're going to get John Cena versus the Great Cali. And I think I watched this pay-per-view knowing that those three matches were going to happen at some point. And totally <laughs> with a spectre of dread through it, or especially John Cena versus Great Cali. I can get away with thinking Bobby Lashley versus the team McMahon is going to be a bit of a schmoz mess, and I know that's going to happen. And I think that Edge versus Batista could be all right, but I'm not looking forward to John Cena versus the Great Cali. And ultimately, it comes back to this. If there's a pay-per-view around this period where I did have access to be able to watch WWE programming at the time and didn't, there's usually a reason why I haven't seen it up to this point. Mm. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, my expectations were um, kind of completely... I didn't have any. I didn't really know what to expect at all. I was also kind of searching around in my mind for when WWE went PG. Um, which turns out wasn't for another year or so after this. But I was kind of like, is this was this when they were PG? Is it not? Of course, it was not long before the Chris Benoit tragedy as well. So it's kind of a strange time for WWE um, and one, as I said, that I hadn't wasn't very familiar with. So I had no expectations going in, saw the opening video package and I was not completely tuned off by it. I was like, OK, you know, we got Edge versus Batista. That could be good. I'm not massively looking forward to John Cena versus Great Cali, although I do remember there being some talk you know many many years ago of the match not being as bad as anyone expected it to be so i was like well we'll see what that's like and then the other one i was like vince mcmahon and chain and umaga against lashley i was like well it might be fun we've seen vince mcmahon matches be fun in the past so um but so why not you said about the cena cali match not being as bad 
as it could be. That's kind of like when you shit yourself and it's reasonably solid. So <laughs> it's easier to sort out, isn't it? Rather than being a liquid mess. That I mean, I guess you could, yes, equate it to that. There is definitely um, an, al- an analogy to be had there. Um, so let's let's head into the show, which begins with a video package showing Edge using the money in the bank to win the world title from The Undertaker on, Smack- on, on SmackDown a few weeks before. Um, we also get some hype for the, as you said, Vince and Umaga versus uh, Vince Shane and Umaga versus Lashley and Cena versus Carly. Um, just a point, though, on the Edge money in the bank cashing because obviously he hadn't won the money in the bank ladder match this particular year it was won by mr kennedy and he had beaten mr kennedy on it uh, on raw for it and this kind of goes into a lot about what this pay-per-view came from because ultimately there was a it was a, a basically a week on television where on raw edge had defeated mr kennedy and then on smackdown he'd used that money in the bank to cash in on the undertaker and the reason for that is because both mr kennedy and undertaker had gone down with quite bad injuries that were going to keep him out for some time and they had suddenly nothing on this pay-per-view that they were going to be able to put together or at least a lot of their plans for this pay-per-view were kind of kind of dashed so it's kind of an interesting period this because edge had been kind of not doing very much on raw and then suddenly was cast into the main event of of smackdown as a consequence of all of these injuries so i just thought i'd note that because that was quite interesting to me uh, if memory serves correct isn't his run on smackdown pretty good in in the title picture feuding with the undertaker and batista basically like him in undertaker as obviously wrestlemania 24 shows like they um yeah they had some really good matches that's some very good, very good stuff. OK, so then we had um, three commentary teams introduced for the show. We got Rawls team with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. ECW's was Joey Styles and Taz. Of course, I'd re- forgotten until this point that uh, ECW was a factor at this point. Yes. And it's also, exciting, isn't it? <laughs> and also the SmackDown team of Michael Cole and JBL. I made some notes about their appearance here because... <laughs> Michael Cole, 14 years later, looks much better now than he did at the time. Yes. Like, I don't know what was going on. I mean, he's just obviously a lot more healthy these days. I don't know. I think he'd been it in the sauce. (laughs) What, the the HP sauce? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Never know. You know when they've always got, like, their bottle of mountain dew? He's just got a fucking... (laughs) Occasionally taking a swig from the, uh, <laughs> yeah, from the bubble. Yeah. And then just going, oh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Michael, what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, it's a tremendous action here from... <laughs> and also I thought that uh, Jerry Lawler looked quite young. I mean, I, I guess compared to what he looks like now. But also <laughs> just, just he looked younger than perhaps he looked prior to this point as well like he just seemed in again quite good shape at the time he is when the camera comes to him goes to him in jr he is proper leching at the camera another note let's get away from that (laughs) very loud music playing over the commentator interest which is the fucking ozzy osbourne song that is fucking awful like it's like a fuck, a fuck off, Ozzy Osbourne, you fucking horrible cunt. Sorry, another note that I got. You said about Michael Kong. JBL looks absolutely tiny next to him. Have you seen, so like a few weeks ago, there's that picture of the Bidens with the Carters. Have you seen, I don't know, for the listener, seek this picture out. Because the Bidens look absolutely enormous. And the... uh 
the Carters, who are obviously senior in age, and by the time this game's out, might even be dead. Um, they look like uh, Jimmy Cranky. Uh, no, the the female Cranky. They just look absolutely tiny. It's fucking horrible. When you said the Carters, I genuinely thought you were talking about Jay Z and Beyonce. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Just tiny, just little tiny miniature Jay Z. Funny, I was thinking you were talking about the one from the Backstreet Boys and his younger brother. Jim <laughs> <laughs> and Nick. Do you know what? I've just looked at that picture. It's just really weird. It's mm. a really weird picture. There's also in the crowd, as the as the camera pans around, a great sign, which is Ric Flair's training is all it says. It says Ric Flair's training on it. And then underneath it, it's got a picture of a pair of wrestler tights and legs. And the everything up to the kind of tights in the middle has been cut out. And there's a guy with his fist through the hole. And he's like low blowing the, <laughs> the sign over and over again. That is amazing. How did I miss that? Brilliant. Yeah. It is brilliant. So first match to the Ric Flair point is Ric Flair versus Carlito. It's all right. I can succinctly summarize it. Painful. Now this one goes 15 and a half minutes. It ends when the uh, Flair applies the figure four leg lock after briefly working over Carlito's leg and Carlito taps out. Um, Tom, I'm going to start with you. Your thoughts on this match? I mean, Alban with his one word summary then was great. This match is really, really, it's really bad. And I mean, one one thing I need to caveat in Tasha, everyone's working really hard. Everyone's trying really hard. Um, but we've got to the stage in Ric Flair. Ric Flair doesn't really bother selling. He just yells a lot. He's like, oh, God! Oh, oh God! That when, like, he's got, like, a hammerlock on him or something like that. There are some pretty brutal chops from Ric Flair. And, again, that's all he's got at this point, really, isn't it? Yeah. That's basically it. Um, he's a Ric Flair tribute act. I saw a uh, Rod Stewart tribute act once in Green. <laughs> And I think he could probably do a more convincing Ric Flair at this point. <laughs> There's a couple of nice bits in it, though. Um, with Carlito yelling at the referee in Spanish at one point, which I quite enjoyed, and the referee's looking back at him blankly. And there's one of a couple of odd shouts from JR in this pay-per-view, and, and this is one of them. I don't think there's anything that Flair can't do, says <laughs> yes. JR commentary at one point. Um, it's not a very good match. You always like the first first match of a pay-per-view to be to give you a bit of you know a bit a bit of something you know a bit of a good action to get you in this doesn't have it like the crowd go bananas when when flair gets him in the in the figure form and flair gets carly to the figure four and that's kind of the highlight of the match really and i did kind of think to myself like i'm not quite sure where carlito was on the card at this point but they're kind of giving him they're giving him some pretty big licks on commentary and then he loses to an old man <laughs> and, and not and not Sam Kerry, we should say, yeah, but, yeah. but but an actual old man. Yeah, um, it's just a bit of bit of an bit of an odd match. I don't know the point now. I don't know who gains who anybody gains from it. Not not the fans. Not not either of the two wrestlers themselves. It's just a bit bit shit, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's you know what. Kind of to touch on Tom's point. I sat there watching it, and I was like, fuck, like Carlito and a lot of the. Uh, Younger lads that were having a bad, they're all younger than him, but they were having a little, well, I say scrap, kind of like a um, a slap off with Ric Flair at this point. It must have been one of those things that's a tremendous honour, and they must be like, fuck now, that's a little bucket list item ticked off. And then they get in the ring with him, 
I was very confused watching this match because Carlito, famed submission expert Carlito, <laughs> that was another submission move, is working over Ric Flair's left arm for, I reckon, about 12 of the 15 minutes in the match. And it, it's obviously a way for Ric Flair not to take too many bumps. So I do understand it because obviously this dusty old body might explode if he takes too many bumps. But like Tommy said, the crowd loved the finish. Fair play to him because I was close to hanging myself by the time it finished, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure if it's the length of it, but I also found it very difficult to watch because it was an old fart slapping people, selling a left arm injury, locking on what is a very weak-looking figure four against, as Tom said, a young upstart who they seem to be pushing quite hard on commentary. And the highlight of the match is, apart from Flair's noises, is when Carlito throws the apple at Flair before they even start. Well, I mean, like that's, all, that's always going to get a little uh, pop from me, lobbing of fruit, but that shouldn't be the highlight of a 15-minute match. This is the same sort of length as Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn was uh, at uh, Payback 2016 that we watched recently. And that is ridiculous. This should not be 15 and a half minutes. Like, I didn't mind this being the opener. I did think it was a bit strange because it was never, they can't go too fast with it. It was always going to be a relatively slower paced contest. And maybe you sometimes want things to be, um, you know, just to kind of set a nice pace in the beginning of a show. But uh it just went forever and and you were like why is this so long i the only thing i can think and jim ross mentions it quite a lot on commentary is his, is flair's history in st louis um and the fact that st louis at one point was a wrestling hotbed in the sort of in the territory's age and um flair having quite a big impact on those times i i wonder if that was what they were trying to clue into or trying to take advantage of i don't know but it it, it didn't really work the, although in fairness as you say the crowd did go wild for the figure four leg lock i i noticed the thing about flair not selling um especially in the early go when he was taking carlito's punches like he just doesn't even move nothing happens he just gets punched and that's it but he was quite good at selling the the arm injury when he was on offense so when rick mm. flair kind of got um the advantage and he was chopping away at carlito with his right arm he was selling the left arm still it was kind of hanging quite awkwardly by his side so I, I i thought on that on that um point he did quite well they bigged up as well the kind of history of flair's rotator cuff injuries jim ross was uh, yes my god if i'd have pound for every time he said rotator cuff <laughs> i would probably have retired by now well if only rick flair had had a pound for every time that jim oh. ross had said rotator cuff he might have retired and we would have all been spared this match <laughs> The, the thing that thing I find interesting about the, the booking of this is that if you're going to have Ric Flair in an opener match, put him in with someone who's going to bump all around the place for him. Yeah. Like at the time, in the roster, they had the likes of, I don't know, Chavo Guerrero, Gregory Helms, any number of like, like smaller people like they, they could have had just throw themselves around. Well, I guess, again, it comes down to the length of the match because Ric Flair is the one who, as you say, Carlito is effectively working over his arm for 12 minutes. And I can only imagine that's because even if you had someone bumping for him, Flair couldn't do offense for very long. So, like, you'd still have to actually, 
like it still be it would still be a difficulty for him to do i don't that's the only thing i can imagine because ridiculously long match anyway not the best start i didn't think it was terrible but it, it was a bit it's shit we all know it's long. shit fuck off rick flair fuck off carlito as well yeah chucking knob i tell you what old man is very belligerent <laughs> today what has <laughs> happened to him he's been drinking all that piss and vinegar this morning tell you he? what i bloody watched this pay-per-view that's what happened I was, I, was having a, I was having a lovely week. Backstage, Todd Grisham interviews Shawn Michaels. Um, it starts with footage of Shawn Michaels' win over Edge and Orton then punting Michaels in the ring. Um, Michael says that it was rumoured that he wasn't going to be uh, here tonight, but he is. But his promo is then interrupted when Orton attacks him again and runs him into a piece of the kind of stage bit behind the interview segment uh, or the interview what do you call it? The interview set, I suppose. Um, and kind of Sean Michaels goes down uh, and he's not looking particularly good. Any thoughts on the uh, on this little bit? I have a couple of points on this. One, this uh, is Sean Michaels getting lobbed through a table by the great Carly and then still beating world champion Edge, which I thought was a very odd thing. And I don't really make any sense. But the best thing about it is, uh, and this runs through Shawn Michaels in this whole pay-per-view when he's there. After he gets pushed into what is effectively a metal frame, it's not particularly rough-looking, to be honest. No worse than being, like, whacked with a chair. Someone is holding him and very tenderly going, we're, we're, we're getting help, Shawn. We're getting help. And he's like, fuck off. <laughs> this is it's so perfect. I, I'm not a big fan of Shawn Michaels acting anyway. <laughs> in general, which we get into a bit like later on, but oh my god, it's so weird. He, he's he's selling us. That guy said you could just hear Sean Michaels in the background going. <laughs> 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 in the background, it's amazing. I, I even think about that gormless bloke who uh, who interviews him. Was he the one that you yelled at, old man? Yes, so he's the guy who uh, said honour, loyalty, respect when we went to watch Raw after WrestleMania 25. And I shouted, you're getting psyched in the morning, Gresham, you wanker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and where is he now? Well, that's it. I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding. 14 years later, he's not working for WWE, is he? <laughs> he's, uh, he's at the old job centre, just waiting outside. Yeah. I think one thing we do need to have, though, is, to- is old man sit in the corner and calm down for just a moment. He's, he's told about seven people to fuck off already. And he's called Todd Grisham a wanker. I know that that was actually 14 years ago, but he's reenacted it. So um, I, I, I was absolutely fine. And then I started thinking about that Ray Flair match when we started talking about it. It's really uh, it's really made me a bit salty, but it's all right. I'm calm now because Todd, we're about to get we're about to get a classic. Todd Grisham is uh, now employed by UFC, apparently. And he was at ESPN before that for some time. So he's, he's so doing all right for himself. My, my guess equals UFC, the ultimate funking championship, <laughs> because he really nope. struggles with three-word phrases. The uh, ultimate festing championship. <laughs> There's lots of punches. Thrown. Glad you clarified that. So then we have a video package, uh, Vince McMahon's victory over Bobby Lashley to win the ECW title and the subsequent promo in which McMahon sets up the handicap match that's going to be on this event, which will see him, Shane McMahon and Umaga against Bobby Lashley. Um, all this, of course, feeds back into Lashley's win over Umaga at WrestleMania 23, where Vince McMahon had to have his head shaved um, at the uh, as a consequence of a bet that he made with some bloke that I don't really remember. Yeah, some- 
so, some toss part. Uh, so one quick note before we get into the match. So Vince McMahon appears to win the UFC title in the exact same match that's happening on the pay-per-view. The, the, the UFC the what title? title? The what, the what title, old man? I think old man's just had a Todd Grisham moment. Do we need to have a discussion about old man's future on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely brought into disrepute, it's got to be said. Um, yeah, you know what? Let's stick with UFC title because I'm going to have to double down on that now. <laughs> yeah, they have the exact same match and it's not in an octagon, which is strange. You're right. They do seem to have the same match as they're mm. now scheduled to have on the pay-per-view, which is a bit strange, but we're going to blow past it. Um, so that next match is Bobby Lashley versus Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon and Umaga. It's a handicap match for the ECW World Championship. It goes for one minute and 13 seconds and is won by Lashley when he manages to pin Shane McMahon after a power slam. Um, so I wanted to quickly um, scoot back to the, the recap. There's the obviously the old, the lovely, the unless provoked rule as well. So Bobby Lashley is not allowed to lay his hands on any of the opponents unless provoked, which is, we can all agree, the most well-enforced rule in WWE because they never get provoked. What's wrong with these people? Well, they just sit there and say, you know what? It's not provoking. I don't want to get beaten up by Lashley. That's why we put it in in the first place. Why are you provoking him? Idiots. Um. The match, I finished writing my uh, writing Vince, Shane and Umaga versus Bobby Lashley. I sat in a bit of a weird position. I was on the sofa with a laptop out. And by the time I'd written, thank Christ, Lashley has got MVP now and different music, the match was over. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I wanted to point out by your criticism about that rule is that rather than talk about the fact that, you know, don't just don't provoke him. Why not instead make the rule that Lashley can't hit them no matter what? And then they can provoke him as much as they want. Yeah, Uh, that's too sensible. Well, this is the biggest problem, I guess, with having a heel authority figure. Just does it Mm -hmm. just throws up so many problems in terms of logic that it's just not worth it. The uh, I love I love Vince Man be booking himself to win the ECW Championship. Have you ever seen such an incredible showing of disdain (laughs) for something that knowing that the fans of the original ECW would absolutely despise the fact that he's holding that belt is such a cunt move that it's quite impressive <laughs> and he's dressed tremendously <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean obviously he's wearing the do-rag because yes. uh, yeah because he's he's bold so that all makes sense but he's wearing a massive black sweatshirt like i don't quite understand why because maybe he's just not in very good shape that's point. probably it that's probably yeah it. i tell you tell you is in good shape well part of him is bobby lashley's shoulders Maybe the biggest thing I've ever seen. Like, they are... I thought it was Everest walking down. <laughs> I thought, bloody hell, there's a mountain moving there. Oh, no, it's Bobby Lashley. Even though it only lasts a minute or so, the crowd are much more into this than I would have been if I was there. Mm. Like, I was I was actually quite surprised. Although I'd be pretty amped up after hearing Umaga's music. Mm. For some reason, bloody love it. It's a great tune. Rest in peace, Umaga. Sorry, what, what was it um, Regal used to call him? Umanga, wasn't it? Umanga. What I find weird is that I know obviously the title is on the line, etc. but I would have just rather seen a match between Umaga and Bobby Lashley. I guess so. I mean, this is a, this is perhaps one of the reasons why the Rick, the Ric Flair-Carlito match lasted 15 minutes, is this only goes a minute and 13 seconds and is one of the matches that has been 
promoted heavily prior to the show and ultimately really it's just an angle because after the match after bobby lashley pins shane mcmahon um vince mcmahon then informs him that actually he's not the champion because vince mcmahon he didn't pin vince mcmahon and therefore he won the match but not the title um and that kind of that's after they managed to 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 uh, attack him umaga attacks lashley from behind and the uh, mcmahon's then join in so this is more of an angle really than anything mm. else it's not really a match the best thing about it is when vince mcmahon is having a little dance on the stage with with the title he's just having a little dance for some reason and yeah i mean let's be honest i didn't think anybody was crying out for a 15 minute match again were they so i was happy when it was done and then i got a bit sad because i realized that 14 years later shane shane mcmahon had just had a wrestlemania match and i thought bloody hell you bloody be true what are you up to Gets one every year, every single year. So, yeah, then we go backstage where a doctor is with Shawn Michaels and Mm. he says that uh, Shawn Michaels is not going to be allowed to go out tonight. He's not going to give him clearance to fight in his match with Randy Orton. Now, I wanted to talk about this in in from the perspective of we haven't seen in the pre in the video package. We had not seen anything about Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton facing each other, which looking at this card in total, you'd have thought "Hmm, that's one that I would be expecting some pre promotion for now i can kind of understand why they didn't given what we eventually end up with but they do still promote the vince mcmahon shane mcmahon bobby lashley omega thing yeah that we just saw which is only a minute long mm-hmm. it's very strange it is and i thought that because when they kind of like say in the initial bit where sean has to be uh very tenderly comforted yeah they when they mention the match when old old toddy g mentions the match i'm a bit like oh hello it's uh, you know what i'm in for this yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to like a 25 minute epic later on yeah you know what tommy i think you might get your wish <laughs> so the next match is uh cm punk versus elijah burke in a match that we thought rick flair's match was long this one goes 17 minutes and cm punk hits hits the gts for the win to get the to get the victory uh, for the win to get the victory, that makes no sense. I'm oh, moving on. <laughs> Old man, thoughts on the match? It's weird because so it obviously yeah, fuck me. It really is weird. Um, Old man can't even yeah, find the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so flabbergasted. As, as you pointed out, it's very long. Like especially in terms of matches on this card, it's the longest on the card. I get the feeling, and I may be talking right out of my anus, but that they were just going to have like a scrap for 10 minutes and they just kept lengthening it because there doesn't really seem, it really loses its way in the middle, I thought. And they kind of don't seem to really know what they're doing for some of it. And I was really surprised and kind of caught off guard by how kind of messy it felt. I don't know a lot about Elijah Burke, to be honest. This is definitely the best Elijah Burke match I've ever seen. <laughs> they, they put in a shift. Punk, when he was at his best, he was angry. He always seemed angry. He seemed pissed off and like he wanted to prove a point. Don't really get that with this. And he's wearing a full body cast, which must be quite tough to protect his injured ribs. It all felt a bit nothing. And I thought it was going to be a piss match, whereas I probably could have had a piss, a dump, a shower and a wank and probably still made it for the end. (laughs) It would be a tough wank, though, to this match. I, I don't know, mate. I, I've, I've done worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the CM Punk rib um, 
Yeah, bandage is gone. Like, it looks, bloody love a corset. It looks like a corset. That's exactly what it looks like. Um, yeah, 17 minutes. Uh, uh, Tom, your thoughts? Um, so I haven't really got that many thoughts on the actual match. There's a couple of things, but there's something, and there's something specifically that I want to, that I really enjoyed throughout the match, which I'll get to, towards the end. First of all, um, I was watching this, and uh, my wife was on the sofa next to me, and she said about Punk. She said that man looks very tired. The bags under his eyes are gargantuan. He looks absolutely shattered. And you know he's not had a big night on it the night before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He just looks absolutely hanging. And maybe that's why it's not a very good match. Odd bit of commentary from uh, Joey Styles in there. I would think that if you can't breathe, it affects everything you do in the ring. Yeah. Just not everything. It affects <laughs> like, living. <laughs> you know, um, Punk wrestles. I did, I've never really noticed this before. He wrestles with his ears pierced, his, his ears pierced, a lip ring, and his tongue pierced as well. There's a lot of uh, things to get caught on stuff. If you're wrestling, if you use even at a match, now I know different generations, but if you use in a match with the Warrior, lots of tassels flying around, lots of things to get caught. Oh, yeah. Don't think I'd like that at all. The ending was a bit clunky. I thought Elijah Burke going for his finisher and then it reversing into the GTS very looked very just off. But my favourite thing about the entire match was the referee. Referee John Cone, who I've never seen before, to my knowledge anyway, at least I've only been aware of him. He takes what can only be described as an avant-garde approach to refereeing a wrestling <laughs> match. He is all in, right? He is bollocking the wrestlers every time they do a move. He's like, every time, like, every time, like, Elijah Burke punches him or punches CM Punk or kicks him, he's like, come on, Elijah, he's got broken ribs. <laughs> he's constantly just yelling at him and telling him off. There's a bit where there's a ten count. He is absolutely screaming the ten count at the top of his life. Yeah. He's like, Wah! <laughs> <laughs> he's probably going for it. And his a technique for counting is tremendous because he windmills his armor <laughs> and hits the mat with everything that he's got. Like that, he's got torn rotator cuff written all over it. He, absolutely. <laughs> not, not another one. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal refereeing performance from the great man. And incidentally, when I found out who he was on his Wikipedia page, it was his child that was pulled from the crowd to team up with Braun Strowman. Yeah, uh, that's right. Some, some lineage, that. Huh? Yeah, it is. Um, also, the good thing, does anybody know how CM, what CM Punk had over someone to always be able to blag licensed music? Because this is when he's coming down to kill Switch Engage, and then he obviously had the cult personality later. How did he manage to blag that, I wonder? Well, I d- the kill switch engaging. I mean, a lot of wrestlers at this time had actual kind of bands playing their music. It was there was quite a few of them doing the rounds. No, because More... that, that was actually a song. Whereas, like, whereas, so like Mark Henry, for example, his theme song was done by Three Six Mafia, who were you know a reasonably big deal, yeah. specifically in Memphis. Um, but that was made specifically for okay. him. Whereas that is an actual song. I know the cult of personality, though, was a consequence of him actually... He was negotiating for that because he was at a point where he was he was legitimately looking potentially to leave. And so one of his kind of uh, reasons or one of his um, conditions for staying was that he could have something better for his music, in, indeed, specifically that, that music. Tom, did 3-6 Mafia do sexual chocolate? No, no, unfortunately That'd be not. absolutely amazing. Just these badass hip hop dudes. It's sexual, baby. Whoa! 
But I will say, Tinky, you have heard a little bit of Three Six Mafia in the past because they did all the music for the film Hustle and Flow. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple of amazing songs that they did in that in, for that soundtrack, which I remember you you quite liking one particular moment in the film. Yeah, yeah, it was the moment that switched the film from what is this fucking shit to oh, this is quite interesting. This film, I'm quite enjoying yeah. this. <laughs> it does happen occasionally. It's similar to when I was watching. Um, the i think it was cabaret um i, I was at university and right. two of my housemates were watching cabaret and i was just sat there watching it and um there's a moment in it i won't give it away because it's actually brilliant but there's a moment in it it was kind of a little bit of a twist and i was like oh this is good where did that come from um so yeah I'll, you know watch cabaret and you and see if you can pick out the moment <laughs> oh, done that's my afternoon sorted <laughs> Um, yeah, it was. I thought this was a really, really messy match. Really, really clunky all the way through. I thought Punk was poor. I thought that Elijah Burke wasn't much better. I thought just it was just not a good match at all. And again, 17 minutes and no one gave a damn. Like literally no one in the crowd gave a damn about this. At least with Flair, the crowd were into it and they wanted him to win and they really enjoyed the chops and they really enjoyed the figure four leg lock. Here, like there was nothing all the way through. The fans just did not give a damn about this. And I can't blame them because, I mean, this would have been a, a feud that was taking place over on ECW, which by all accounts, not that many people were watching, quite frankly. Apparently, it was because Elijah Burke had offered CM Punk a place in the new breed and CM Punk had turned him down. And so that's why they were kind of feuding. But yeah, I mean, phew, not good well, at all. He, he's having trouble with the new breed, isn't he, Elijah Burke? Because... He's just lost, old Joey Styles says on commentary, lost the services of these titans, Marcus Corvon and Kevin Thorne. I mean, I'm not surprised Elijah Burt was pissed off. <laughs> because you imagine losing those legends. Uh, obviously, if Marcus and Kevin are listening, apologies for calling you out, but you didn't have the best of runs, lads. Marcus Corvon was Monty Brown in TNA, um, and he'd had... He was he was kind of expected to be quite a big deal in TNA. Like they built him up really really well um, in TNA in the early part in two, during 2005 in the early parts of 2006. So he was basically going to be looking like he was going to be TNA's first proper kind of homemade main event star. Um, and then WWE signed him, changed his name to Marcus Corvon. And then I don't know what happened, but something in his personal life or something where he realized that the touring schedule was just not for him. And he just stopped and then left. And so oh. that's why Marcus Corvon, I think, was no longer an issue here. I love the uh, idea that they'd be like, he was gonna be he was gonna be TNA's big biggest um, you know, his new star. And then they realised his name was Monty. <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh, that's Billy Gunn's real first name, isn't it? His name's Monty Kip Sop. <laughs> yeah, which, which sounds like a disease that affects Prolapsed anuses. Monty Kipsop. What a fucking name. <laughs> no, no. Seriously. Oh, that is terrible. Monty Brown also played for an NFL team, old man. Who was it? I reckon it was the Cleveland Browns. You're wrong. Fuck's sake. Who, who, who was it? Was it the Minnesota Vikings? No. Uh, he was uh, signed for the... Uh, he recruited initially for the Buffalo Bills. And oh, then I was just about to the, say them. Then, then played for the Patriots. Oh, I was just about to say them afterwards. Fuck's sake. I just want to win, man. I just want one, one in the W. <laughs> well, you might, you'll have a chance later on. We've got the game, don't forget, coming up. Oh, so. God. I've shamed myself the last few times I've done it, so <laughs> I'm not confident, lads. Hang on. If, am I doing the game this week? Yes, you are. Fuck. All right. 
I might be quiet for a little bit. And you just take you you have a look for it when we have our break in a minute. So next up, we got a backstage interview with Edge, who talks about beating Mr. Kennedy for the Money in the Bank and then Undertaker for the world title. Says that Batista has said that he wants his title back, but he says that um, it's not his title anymore and the rated R era has begun. Didn't like this. Didn't like this at all because Edge stares at the interviewer's breasts a couple of times. And then does it in quite a lingering manner at the end to the point where the interviewer actually looks down at her breasts. And I, I thought it was really unnecessary. I don't know who the lady is, but uh, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't really like this. But Edge does have quite a uh, good reaction from the crowd booing him because he's horrible. They don't like him. The the interviewer, by the way, is mm. Crystal Marshall, who was the wife of Bobby Lashley. Ah, the old bobster. Mm. She went on to be a valet for a bit, I seem to remember. I didn't notice any of that, I must admit, because I was fuming at the fact that the plaque, Edge's name plaque on Big Gold is upside down. Really? Yeah, so the name plaque on uh, on, on the Big Belt is upside down. Fuming. That is not good attention to detail, is it? Nah. So so it's actually being held by Ector. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Edgar? Who, who, Who's Edgar? <laughs> Edge has got a problem in this phase of his career when he's heel. He's too handsome. I, th- I don't think it works. He's not He's not managed to get away from that. Like Later on, when he's tearing it up in the heel run, you kind of forget that he's a good-looking lad. But in this, yay, it, it, it don't work for me. Sorry, Edge. And I really like Edge. I think being handsome works in your favour if you're a heel. Mm. It does with the male part of the audience. Certainly, mm. if you're if you if you if you're if you're handsome, then you're more likely to be booed by the male section of the audience. We'll talk about male the male and female differences in interest in wrestlers later on because there's some yes, quite interesting points later on that mm. I think um, uh, is bears talking about. Do you think this is why when we walk down the street together we get booed? <laughs> three out yeah, of three we, fucking studs getting booed getting tomatoes especially up. especially when you haven't got a shirt on old man oh that's lovely um, the, the difference is that we're roundly booed by everyone <laughs> yeah i suppose i but as as we said the other week any reaction's a good reaction hey <laughs> the sound difference between boo and woo is is difficult <laughs> to tell sometimes boo earns boo <laughs> so then Orton comes to the ring um, and I wanted to ask a question about Orton and his ring entrance because as it got progressively slower over the course of his career because he here he comes down, down he? basically yeah he's there in like seconds and I was like so, wow this is not what I'm used to it was like watching the Ultimate Warrior and his pump <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what's weird right Orton comes down well as we said positively sprints down and then uh he's obviously assuming that Shawn michaels because he's been there's no way Shawn michaels has come out because he won't risk his life he's got family he's got a wife and kids so he, he ain't gonna rest in his match but it's all right just in case he does orton's still come down in all his wrestling gear <laughs> just in case uh, yeah it's like why are you wearing that just just have a nice pair of slacks on just have a nice time relax safe in the knowledge that you've won so he tells Justin Roberts to announce him as the winner um, because of what the doctor had said previously. And just about uh, just as he is about to do so, um, Justin Roberts, that is, Michael's music hits and Sean emerges looking dazed and wobbly. <laughs> uh, 
And talking about Orton's slow entrances, I think Shawn Michaels might have given him the inspiration for him for them oh. on this, this evidence. Uh, it's hmm. amazing. It's amazing. HBK's concussion setting makes him look like Droopy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, dear. Walking down to the oh. ring. He does look incredibly sad. That's what I yeah. noticed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fucking shit, isn't it? This is really bad. Like, for a start, we need to talk about the referee. Let himself down. Like he's he's endangering a professional. So well, when, let me fill in the context. So he does. Go on, then. He, when he gets in the ring, he has a little bit of a conversation with the referee, where the referee's telling him no, he can't have the match, and Shawn Michaels saying no, ring the bell, ring the bell, and so the referee does. Sorry, just wanted to add that little. That's bit. That's all right, no problem at all. So yeah, so the referee's let himself down big time, and then it's just Shawn Michaels trying to get a Slammy Award, I think for worst acting ever because it's it's not good but my god i had a good time watching it because it's so bad and it doesn't really make any sense you know because if if orton wins then you're beating up a guy you can barely walk to the ring and looks sad and if michaels wins then orton looks an absolute mug the switch in music collapse so Shawn Michaels sets up for the switching music and he's slowly stamping his foot, slowly. And then he just collapses and it's fucking hilarious because it's so bad. And finally, the referee stops it. Orton, he might be a bit concerned here. He might be a bit concerned because he's just there. Shawn Michaels is getting up. Then he RKO's him. JR somehow summons the energy to go, you no good bastard. <laughs> I'm assuming he's talking about Orton. I'm not the referee. But yeah, just odd. I, I thought I'm going to get slammed for this. But in the context of pro wrestling, I thought Shawn Michaels' acting was quite good. <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I don't disagree. It's just so hokey, the whole thing. Yeah. That's I think that's where it is. Because he's got, they've given him some rope and just said, all right, Shawn, do you want to go on yourself out there? And he's gone, well, not particularly. So, yeah, go on, get out there. And this is all apparently because he needs knee surgery. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. It's a way to yeah, write him I, off, isn't it? Yeah, because I had to look into it because I was like, why are they doing this? And what's the purpose? Shawn Michaels' acting is only upstaged by his wife who comes down at the end. And she is, she's screaming almost as loud as someone later on in the show. We also need to have a little bit of a discussion about a concussion angle, I think. Because mm. it also came across as very distasteful, knowing what we know now about concussions. And the damage they, they can have in the long run, which people weren't aware of at the time. Well, as well more more so in the context and the preamble to the Benoit yeah. tragedy. Yeah, exactly. Um, HBK is selling the match like he's blind. He's like uh, he's like you know Rick Martel and and Jake the Snake at WrestleMania Seven, stumbling around reaching out for things. One thing I did think of though, so imagine if you you're like hello, where is it? St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Lovely time. We've got a pay-per-view coming up. I'll tell you what, Shawn Michaels on it. You were guaranteed at least one good match. It's <laughs> going to be an absolute bang. Imagine being there, how disappointed you would be in this yeah. if you were in the crowd. It's a bad decision to have it on a pay-per-view. I think that t- that angle could be carried out on TV and it'd be just as effective. I think it's a bad idea to have it. The highlight of it, all for me, is at the end of it, after Shawn gets uh, put on a stretcher and they've got him on the stretcher and they're going down, you know, the bit by the side of the ramp by the fans you hear someone in the crowd goes you'll be okay big daddy 
<laughs> maybe this is why they didn't promote it in the video package beforehand and, and who knows what promotion they gave to this on raw and smackdown prior to the event hopefully not a lot um so that nobody was too sold short by the fact that Shawn michaels versus randy Orton was going to be on the show but yeah it only goes for four and a half minutes it features Shawn michaels not really wrestling but staggering around the the ring for most of it and as you said ends when Shawn Michaels does this hilarious attempt at the switching music and falls over, which genuinely made me laugh out loud, which there aren't that many things in wrestling that genuinely make completely corpse whilst I'm watching them. More so when I'm hearing you guys explain or describe what happened, they usually make me laugh. But in this context, I actually, whilst I was watching it, laughed out loud. And uh, yeah, the referee. Which was, de- which was definitely the desired result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I quite liked it as an angle. If I'm honest, I, I thought it was quite a cool angle, but wasn't quite the match that I would have been hoping for, having no. kind of realised this show, this match had this uh, was going to be on this show. Well, I'm, this was the hope for the show. <laughs> this, this, I, I, I put all of my whatever it is in these bags. What's the saying? Eggs in this I, basket. That's it. Yeah. I put all these eggs in this bag, <laughs> and uh, and someone has basically come along. And gone, oh, there's a bag of eggs here. Slammed it against the wall. <laughs> and you lost all your eggs all in one go. Yeah. Just much, much like Shawn Michaels had lost his marbles by this point, you'd lost your eggs. <laughs> yeah. On the, uh, I'm going to tumble up the Big Daddy thing. Because this angle, and probably the acting would have been better if it was Big Daddy involved, old Shirley Crabtree. But there are ways that he'd been dead for a decade at this point. So it probably wouldn't have worked very well. Backstage, Todd Grisham interviews the great Carly. Uh, who has possession of Cena's WWE title belt. He says Cena stands no chance in their match tonight. Uh, I actually, I to be honest, I bloody love this. I've ne- never seen this side of Cali before. He's angry. He looks imposing. The guy who was with him, whose name I can't remember, is wearing a suit that would probably fit Cali. I don't quite know why it's so big. But uh, yeah, I really like this. I, I like the anger and the passion. Is it Ranjin Singh? Is that the guy's Possibly. name? Possibly. Can't remember. I don't know, to be honest. But yeah, 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 I like this. I'm all in and I'm ready for that main event now. I'm well, that's gagging for it. That's that's good to know. That is good to know. Um, let's, whilst you're so gagging for it, let's um, ruin <laughs> all of your momentum and take a quick break and then that's come good. back in just a few moments. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest at this time. He is the rated R superstar and the world heavyweight champion, Edge. Edge has been in quite a role recently. I mean, going from Raw and... Quite a role? I've been on quite a role. <laughs> it's been a little bit more than a role. I've had the greatest two weeks of any superstar in this industry. From winning the money in the bank to the way I cashed it in, Defeating quite possibly the greatest world champion ever, a phenom. I did in three seconds what Batista couldn't do in three months, and that's defeat The Undertaker. You know, since WrestleMania, Batista's been running around saying this is his world championship. Well, here's a newsflash those days are over, it's mine. And tonight it stays that way. Because the rated R era has begun. 
So welcome back to the show. And hopefully that little break has given Tom enough time to figure out what he's going to do for the game later in the show. So our next match is for the World Tag Team titles. And it is the Hardy Boys against Trevor Murdoch and Lance Cade. Uh, this match goes for 15 minutes and ends when Jeff hits a Swan Tom bomb on Trevor Murdoch and gets the pin. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Your thoughts on this one? I don't really have any, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, it was completely just a nothing match. Like, for a start, Lance and Trevor Murdoch were a bit, bit of a weird tag team, a bit, a bit odd. i got to give a quick shout out to, to Trevor Murdoch's uh, massive pants. <laughs> they're, they're quite impressive um but it's just, it was just a bit nothing really i didn't i didn't really i didn't particularly enjoy it i found it a bit boring the only the, the one thing that is always good about a hardy hardy boys match is the jeff hardy hot tag crowd always go nuts for it but, but they have this like weird like kind of storyline where you're talking about like they're talking about um lance kid and Joe murdoch are becoming like sportsmen about things and and it's just a bit like ham-fisted and a bit over the top and not done particularly well and I don't know it's just it was just a bit it was just a bit of a nothing a non-event I find the match to be it just happened it existed and then it ended <laughs> it happened it existed and then ended old man any any thoughts further than that <laughs> well so we start off at a high point because Murdoch and Cade's music is tremendous always a big fan of their little music and uh, Lance Cade is wearing assless chaps which means made me think, not enough assless chaps in wrestling. Considering how homoerotic wrestling is, you'd think they'd have assless chaps coming out of their bloody ears, wouldn't you? Landscape was Landscape was basically dressed up as Christine Aguilera from the Dirty video here. Yes! Although, <laughs> some, although some may say sexier. Um, early on, there is a pin attempt after a hip toss, which I don't think I've ever <laughs> I've ever seen, or ever noticed, anyway. Which made me laugh. Um, Trevor Murdoch, Massive pants and all. He's 27 at this point. He's very much going for the John Tenter looking 70 when you're actually nine <laughs> angle. Uh, he's currently the NWA National Heavyweight Champion as of recording date. Um, the A bit like Tom, there's not a whole lot to the match. The main thing I took from the match is that the commentary is horrific. This is JBL in full jbl mode he is contradicting himself he's shouting at michael cole i mean i'm not surprised michael cole looks bloody shitter than he does now he's sat next to this fucking cunt like the commentary (laughs) is so bad he goes on a rant so this is something that i don't really enjoy in wrestling commentary anyway when these lads like the old hardys and old murdoch and kane they're just trying to have a match and jbl is still going on about the last thing that's happened which no one really cares about anyway. He's oh, he's having a crap rant about how Orton was right to do what he did. And then he immediately shows concern for Shawn Michaels. And then, as Tom said, he just goes on about Peter Murdoch being old school. And then they're, they're trying to be nice and how they shouldn't try and be nice. And then it finishes with Michael Cole and JBL agreeing. They finally agree on something. And that's the a Hardy Boys match is better than a rock concert. (laughs) Okay, so I am going to step in and say that I really liked this tag team match. I thought this was really good. I thought it was... 
the story they were trying to tell was one of the most old stories in wrestling, which is the idea of the heels trying to wrestle in a fair way and not being as good as the baby faces and then slowly getting frustrated. The only difference here is they didn't have the bit at the end, which I was expecting, which was as the handshake took place, they would just attack them, beat them up, and then the feud would continue. I think they did go on to do something where they basically cheated to win the title later on. So they kind of got to the point where they realized they weren't good enough. So they had to cheat to win. And then they did. But the match itself, I thought was really good. And I thought that they built a really good story. It was kind of a slow burner. Didn't kick in straight away. But as the match went on it really grew on me and i really enjoyed trevor murdoch and lance cade's offense i thought they were very different especially for the time but i think they'd still be quite different now um like this kind of southern wrestling gimmick effectively they i guess in a way a little bit like not quite like them but a little bit like the revival in the sense that they kind of were not one of the sort of high-flying or flashier tag teams they just got in there and and were quite physical uh, but they could go. I thought this was a good match and I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I can understand. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch in a match before. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I've seen them wrestle. Like I remember certainly when uh, I would click on to Raw, for example, um, at, at times, and it would be the briefest of watches. I would have seen them um, kind of wrestling, but not really paid much attention. This was definitely the first time I'd ever really paid attention to a match they were involved in and i liked them i thought they were really good yeah so um i yeah i, I really like this match i mean this is by far the best match that we've had so far i think my misgivings on it are commentary based as i said and also what's come before it, i think as well i think it kind of feels like like to tom's point it kind of almost feels like a, no- a nothing match and to your point as well, Tinky, where they have the handshake at the end and then there's no, they just have a handshake. And it's like, oh, it was all a bit pointless then, wasn't it? But it's because of the nonsense that's come before, I think. So I'm just kind of like, oh, we're just getting these matches of nothing. Well, the, I mean, on, and I completely agree with you on the JBL thing. I have written here that he is just so obnoxious and annoying during mm. this match that I just, you know, he definitely detracts from it. No doubt about that. And it's interesting because we've had, a 16-minute, sorry, a 16-minute Ric Flair match, a 17-minute CM Punk match from ECW feud that no one cares about, and then this, which gets 15 minutes, and in between it, we've had two of the matches that seem to be the ones that this show's sold on: <laughs> Orton versus yeah. Michaels and the the ECW title mattress. It's a bit weird. The whole makeup of the show is just really, really strange. After this uh, match, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler talk about the mobile vote, which they've got going on. Um, <laughs> it's a vote for who's most likely to win a title tonight. And it's got various names listed, one of which is MVP, which made, made me realize that we had an, an MVP US title match coming up on the show. We've also got uh, Lashley, obviously, and uh, Batista and Trevor Murdoch and Lance Cade are listed. And I believe that it is Batista who the fans think is the most likely to win a title here. Yes. It cuts it cuts back to the commentary duo and uh, Jerry Lawler's got his phone out. I don't want to know what's on there. <laughs> Tony Chimmel in the ring then directs us to the Tron for a video produced by the world champion Edge, which shows him winning the Money in the Bank and the title as well as other career highlights. Interesting one, this, because it's to build up the show, but it's been put together by Edge, apparently, according to the storyline. Well, and also towards the end of the video, Batista's in it. He looked strong in it. <laughs> and Edge looks scared and it's like why have the thing where 
it's uh, Edge production. Doesn't make any sense. No, I didn't think so it's either. Fa- very silly. And also, Tony Tony Chimmel can't even be bothered to go high on Superstar. <laughs> Indeed. So there we have the match, Edge versus Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, this one, strangely, only lasts ten and a half minutes. And what we see at the end is that Batista hits a spine buster on Edge. But when Batista then pops up, as he was wont to do, he hurt his leg. And in the process, Edge takes advantage with a schoolboy cover for the victory. Uh, Tom's uh, very chirpy. So what, what have you got to say about this one? <laughs> really weird happens at the beginning of the match oh, for about the first like two or three minutes of the match Batista doesn't stop coughing <laughs> he's just coughing constantly he's like, <laughs> so weird I've never seen that before it really it really fucking made me chuckle and someone and I was thinking my god that <laughs> it must be awful it must be absolutely awful for him to have this coughing fit at the beginning of the match <laughs> <laughs> and as someone who so i uh, the listeners won't have heard this but it's definitely happened in the podcast but i've been i've been wise enough to mute my microphone i've got a thing it's like called like repetitive or multiple sneezing syndrome where i sneeze sneeze multiple times and it's something that i have to be very wary of and in certain situations so like it's horrible if it happens in like a job interview or something like that and all of a sudden i put myself in batista's shoes if i started sneezing like 15 times in the middle of a restaurant <laughs> i genuinely felt really bad for him i've got again very little notes on this because i didn't particularly enjoy this match because i didn't think edge is at where he needs to be yet and i don't think batista is very good in the match either batista's fucked about two minutes into the match mm. he is absolutely exhausted and blown out of his ass and the, the end of the match is just a bit weird as well like you said it, like i mean fair fucks to, to batista because he does actually sell the leg injury throughout most of the match and i always like i've said this before i always quite like how quickly he pops up after the uh after he does the the spine buster and i quite like that, that was incorporated into the match but then the roll-up happened really weird it was weird that it was clean like he should have mm. like grabbed the tights or something like that i felt um, to get a bit of heat on it and not make it just a clean victory. And at then that point, I realised there was quite a bit of time left on the pay-per-view, and I hadn't put two and two together. I realised there was a match in between this, and I thought, fuck me, how long is John Cena versus Brink? <laughs> oh, man? Uh, yeah, this is, um. well, first point is Jimmy Cranky refereeing. It's really good to see, just J- Jimmy Cranky getting some work. Uh, we had both um, the crankies in this show now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, really. Um, JBL continues his intolerable commentary by saying that right now, Edge is the best wrestler of all time. <laughs> right. right now. Right yeah. now, he's the best wrestler of all time. Yeah, just bloody awful. Um, This is odd. This is very odd, this match, because I had the cough noted. I think Batista is not very well. And that's why I think by who, because I know it's what Tom said, like a couple of minutes in, he's done. Like he's absolutely fucked. Looks like he can barely do anything. This is Batista in his bad Batista phase where he's really not very good at all. Like we saw him have a match at WrestleMania 30 where he was bloody awful. And I think he's probably worse in this, to be honest, because it's just not, it's not good. Edge is selling that he's absolutely terrified of Batista. Um, This is the, Third match, so uh, in the Punk-Elijah Burke match, 
the ribs are worked over, obviously. So you've got uh, this is the third match with a body part highlighted. So you've got the leg and also um, Edge goes after Batista's left shoulder. So we've already had this. We've had this already, lads. Like, it's just very lazy, very slow paced, very odd, very underwhelming. And this, when I was watching it, I started to get a bit, started to get a bit bored, to be honest, by this point. Starting. Yeah, I, I stuck with it because I'm a fucking professional. And uh, it made me think, I sat there, I was like, the point that Tommy made the other week, that there's a layout for WWE pay-per-views in how they, they take the crowd up and they take them down, they take them up, take them down, take them up. For the finish, none of that on this. It's it feels like, apart from the tag match, which is like a little spike, it's kind of dipping down quite badly. And we know what the main event is, and I'm a bit like, for me, <laughs> scared boys. I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we still got Kane. We still got Kane yet to come though. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> um, the. Uh... This wasn't a bad match, but I'm. This is where I was like the way you described the tag team match, both of you. This is what I thought about this, which is it's a bit of a nothing match. It's just nothing going on. It's just really like pedestrian. And actually, that's my word for the whole show. It's just pedestrian. I didn't notice the cops, but you pointing that out and the fact that he blew up so early does make me think he was ill. Because also, look at this this show. Got three matches that the ma- that the show has been promoted on really, which is the Cena match this match and the Vince McMahon Lashley stuff. We are expecting the Cena Great Carly match to have to be short because it's Great Carly. And the Vince McMahon match went a minute and a half. We've also got Shawn Michaels and Orton on the show, which is four minutes long. So going into this night, I can only imagine that this match was supposed to go 20 minutes at least. And also to your point, Tom, about CM Punk and Elijah Burke and the fact that their match was it actually might be new old band. Sorry where they basically, they seem to get 10 minutes in and then not know where they were going to go after that. Yeah. It, that that rings true of the same point. It's almost as if they had to transplant 10 minutes of this match over to other matches because they realised Batista was ill and couldn't go the distance. Because I just don't see how you would plan for this pay-per-view and you'd plan for this match to only be 10 minutes in length because it's the one match that is a main event that can go longer and it doesn't. So... That's the only thing I can imagine is this is supposed to be longer, but Batista can't just simply can't do it. Yeah, and they, it they realize make, that before the show and give the time to other matches. It doesn't make sense either because they're obviously trying to build up Edge's champion. Like, and like to Tom's point where when he schoolboys him, don't grab the tights. Like you're selling him as the ultimate opportunist. Oh, this is something I meant to mention as well on the commentary. Michael Cole is absolutely furious that Edge has cashed in his money in the bank briefcase, which is a legitimate thing. He is absolutely fuming about it. I know he beat Kennedy, but Kennedy was absolute dog dirt. So I'm bloody happy that anyone, if it weren't going to be Val Venus, it could be anyone. But again, though, he beat it from him legitimately. Yeah, I know why Michael Cole's so angry. Because he sat next to JBL. Well, that's probably it. I mean, I guess the thing is, again, that kind of... That kind of does show you a little bit the Ill, how illogical the money in the bank thing is. I mean, it because mm. it's always going to be unless you are an idiot, you're going to do it in an underhanded way. You're going to try yeah. and beat the champion when they're already down. But that kind of is a bit it's a bit weak anyway. Like it's just mm. it's just a bit rubbish. It's so funny because the the first money in the bank was cashed in by it, wasn't it, on John mm. Cena? And 
what was so good about that is that it hadn't been presented that it could be done in that manner. Yeah. Which is great. And then they had the second one, which is Rob Van Dam, and he did it he, in a different way because he, yeah. he had it pre-booked. Yeah, and but like what they what they maybe should have done is had a couple of years where it is done, where someone says, "I want to face you at the next pay per view," and insert scores, and then did the surprise. Do you know what I mean? Like cash in almost. But yeah, it's but it's become like a bit of a trope, hasn't it? That it always happens in the same way now, because as you as to your point, Tinky, it's illogical to do it in any other manner. Yeah, I mean, I think th- that's why I think so the the first one was good, and I think that the Rob Van Dam one was good because it made sense because he was like, I want to cash in at one night stand, so that made perfect sense, right? Why they didn't continue with trying to cash in in other ways that they might want to, as opposed to just so like for example, someone saying we're in my hometown next week, that's when I want to cash in my money in the bank, like so that they almost pick the date rather than just do it off the cuff. Like maybe after the Edge one, they could have just done a thing where they said, right, we're making a new rule. You can't cash in unless you've t- given us 24 hours notice or you've given us a week's mm-hmm. notice or something. You know, and they could still do that rule now, to be honest. They could say, look, this has got ridiculous. We're going to put this rule in place. I you just can, think you it's too it. similar now. It's just too the same. Yeah, you could have it where like the champion goes through an absolute war on the pay-per-view and then they go, I want to he's fucked he's gonna be fucked tomorrow night on raw yeah i'm cashing it in now and then you've already got a pre-made main event for the next night of raw and people in theory should want to watch it i just think there's ways to do it i mean there's some people who are saying that money bank should be done now and i i don't necessarily agree with that i think there are ways to do this still that would make it interesting like i still think that you should have Sorry, we're going into the money in the bank thing a little bit too heavily here, but I still think there's a way to have the money in the bank where effectively, I think the idea is you get a year to cash in that money in the bank. Mm. I still think there's a way to have it so that maybe one person wins it. And then throughout the next year, there's a couple of times where they try to cash it in and then realize that the circumstances have changed so they don't do it. And they get so far around the year that the money in the bank, the next one is coming up and to the point where they're almost rushed. They almost have to do it on like that night's Raw or SmackDown, because if they don't do it, they won't be able to cash in because Money in the Bank's coming up on the Sunday. And so you could build up to something there. I also think there's a way to do it where you have the Money in the Bank winner, then win the Rumble. And then they've effectively got two title shots. So they pick the champion at WrestleMania that they want to face. They face that champion, lose, but then straight after attack him again with the money in the bank and win it that way. So there are still ways mm-hmm. I think that you can creatively yeah. work the money in the bank. But one thing I think they should perhaps looking at doing if they have run out of ideas is to just say, you have to give them a 24 hour or an hour, a week's notice. Yeah. Okay. So then we have something strange happens here because there is a segment that is cut out of the WWE network version. Um, mm. I don't know if it was also cut out of the DVD. I have probably got the DVD upstairs somewhere in my uh, attic, but there's a diva segment that's been cut out. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was for reasons of taste. The only reason I was clued into it is because before the next match, JBL says something about being distracted by the diva segment that just happened. Oh, um, I didn't notice that. He, yeah. What I know the Diva segment to have been was that apparently a bunch of the women were in the ring, lying in a in a line, and they talk about the main event. That's all I know about it. I don't know anything else, but that's apparently what took place. Don't know why it was cut out. Probably for reasons of taste, I would I can only imagine. And I think that the cut was done pre Peacock, so I don't know. No. I don't know if it's um. I don't know pre-cock, what pre Cock, if you will. Pre Cock. 
Um, then we get Chris Benoit versus MVP for the US title. So two out of three falls match. And before that match, Tony Chimmel makes a real meal out of explaining <laughs> what a two out of three falls match actually is. Uh, it's, it's, it's the fact that he goes, the next match is uh, uh, for the US championship. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's, and he absolutely fucks it from that point onwards. He certainly does. Uh, the match is 13 minutes in length, and MVP managed to win 2 0, uh, two straight falls. Uh, after in the second fall, he manages to tweak Benoit's leg and then use a small ma- small package to win. Oh, man, thoughts on this one? Well, MVP comes out to his inflatable shed, which I always thought was very odd because it looks really crap. So we've got another body part being worked over. I'm starting to get a bit tired of these body parts being worked over, to be honest. Um, Chris Benoit puts on an abhorrent sharpshooter, an mm. abhorrent sharpshooter by an abhorrent human being. So the two fit. Um, I was about as invested in this as the crowd are, which is not at all. Like, I I just, it was just really boring and really plodding. Someone puts on a submission hold. I haven't put in my notes. I think it might be Benoit puts on the submission hold or tries to. And like they go with ages trying to get the um the rope grab and it's just crap. It it's not it's um greeted with nothing by the crowd and obviously it goes to a two nil. Two nil, two and oh MVP wins. Lovely old job. He's he's got that US title in his back pocket. But no one cares. Mm-hmm. And it may be I think so I've heard Austin say this a few times because it's very similar to Pretty much every match on the card up to this point. The only difference being that there's an extra fall. But Austin is, I've heard him say it so many times in interviews where he would watch every match on a show before his because he didn't want to duplicate anything. So I've heard him say in specific matches, like they, him and his opponent would have a little plan, like, oh, I'll work over your arm or you can work over my arm or something. And he'd watch a match and someone would do it in an earlier match. So he'd cut that completely and they'd work around it and i just wish that someone had done that on this card because i have absolutely no idea whether this match is actually any good because i was so bored of watching people work over people's limbs that i was just not invested at all yeah i think to your point about the repetitive nature of it in this day in the 2007 and from and to now really the only real fault can be lied with the the agents because they are mm. agenting every match and they are WWE in this period and from and, and now and have been for a number of years have a very professional setup in terms of what happens backstage they have their agents they will get assigned a match and those agents then plot out what's going to happen in the match in fact they almost um, completely um, choreograph the whole the whole thing whereas opposed to what they used to do which is call it in the ring um, and by this point yeah I think it, the, the blame can only be held mm. to the road agents who are not obviously not doing their job of talking to each other and saying, oh, what are you going to do in your match? And, you know, oh, you've got uh, Chris Benoit and MVP. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to work over this body part. And they're like, well, hang on, I'm doing it. And then so-and-so says, yeah, I am too. So like, it, it, what is going on there? Like, you're right. They've, they've obviously not had any kind of conversations about what the different matches are going to going to do. No. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I think as well, a lot of the blame for this match not being very good is, is on Benoit. 
Benoit is obviously the more experienced of the two. He doesn't have the level of intensity that he usually has in his matches in this. It's almost as if he doesn't really care about it. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, they was obviously going through some severe mental problems at the moment and obviously knowing, you know, the, the abhorrent acts that he then went on to do not long after this pay-per-view, like in this, I think it's in this very year, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's, it, it kind of makes sense. It also makes it for quite an uncomfortable watch because he's not there. Do you know what I mean? Like he's somewhere else. It's, it's really quite awful. On slightly lighter notes, do you know who trained MVP? Was it Keith Floyd? <laughs> no, but keeping up with the food away uh, of it all, it's our favourite wrestler, Henry Custard. Oh. Who, uh, who, who taught him how to wrestle, which is quite nice. Um, Yeah, why do a two out of three falls match and have someone win the first two falls? We had this, I believe, with a, a tag match in a Saturday night's main event that we did. Or am I thinking of a Saturday night's main event that I've just watched? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, Heart Foundation versus the Killer Beast is. But anyway, um it's very it's very weird. I don't know I don't know why you would do that. It, it what's what's the point in it? I, I don't mean, mind that. I don't mind that. I think you have to if you're gonna do a two out of three falls match, you don't want to always do each one wins a fall and then they have a deciding fall because it, it means that the first two thirds of the match is really like predictable you know exactly what's uh, going to happen so I, okay, I, think let, it, let, I think it makes sense to do it like this occasionally if you're going to do it make sure it's good <laughs> I, I didn't mind this match but I do agree with you no one cared about it like the fans just did not care there was silence throughout that I my last note on this match is fans weren't interested but I enjoyed it I thought it was quite a good it had quite a good little sports theme to it it felt like a, a real sport during the match and so I quite enjoyed that element of it and as I said, I quite like the uh, quite like the two two nil victory because as I say, it just becomes a little bit too predictable if you always have mm. one team win or one person wins one four and the other one wins the next, and then you have a deciding fall. So I, I was quite happy with that. But yeah, there's not a lot to say about it. The only thing I think that is worth mentioning, to your point, Tom, about him actually uh, about Benoit, the Benoit tragedy happening this year. This is actually Benoit's final pay per view match. So he is at the next pay-per-view, but doesn't wrestle. And then it's the following month that um, the whole Benoit tragedy happens. So this is his very last pay-per-view match uh, in this in this contest. So we are very close in proximity to what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it it kind of makes you feel a bit icky, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it leaves you with an unpleasant feeling. On MVP, I have always really liked MVP. Actually, I've always, I've always thought he's been quite good, and I'm glad that he's that he's back with the company at the moment and doing what appears to be a tremendous job with uh with big bobby yeah or bob's there yeah it's just uh, the only thing i will kind of mention about that is that it's just a shame that they split off the other two members of the hurt business from them because uh mm. i don't really understand why they would do that but they did and yeah so one final note on mvp so when he was making his little ring entrance he comes out of his shed and he's wearing his little like onesie type thing and I thought to myself, I was like, I think I'd rather wear a pair of pants, some elbow and some knee pads, than wear that onesie outfit. If I, if it's obviously a choice. Well, it wasn't. I don't think it was a choice because he's got a tattoo. I think of Malcolm X, maybe on his chest. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think he was told you need to cover it up. Ah, interesting. Interesting. No pants for you, lad. I wonder <laughs> if that would happen now interesting one i don't know mm. um it was obviously less that it was a tattoo and more that it was a tattoo of malcolm x um yeah. but again i think you might find that that was more acceptable 
to WWE than it than it was back then, maybe. I think I I may be completely wrong in this, but I am guessing that Malcolm X has a certain um what's it an estate and if yeah, maybe. they were if they were gonna do obviously figures they'd have to have Malcolm X's face on there as well and they probably have to give up some bare bunts. So why give up bare bunts when you could just make someone wear a stupid leotard? Possibly. Um, I always got the impression it was more about the political element yeah. of anything else. He, he's also got, I think, as well, because um, if memory is correct, I think he may have been in, like, a gang, like, because he's been oh, to yeah. prison and stuff. So I think he's got loads of, like, quite a lot of gang tattoos and stuff like that before he reformed. So that might I, be another thing as well. Yeah, and also he has got, um, he's got Val Venus on his back, hasn't he? So... <laughs> haven't, haven't we all <laughs> <laughs> fucking right go on Val get, most get on that back you dirty sod I like, I like old man who's got Val Venus on the brain <laughs> <laughs> that that most popular tattoo 2003 that Val Venus tattoo on the back I think you'll find beautiful so there we have JR talk about the next pay-per-view one night stand which is coming up in a month's time then there's the hype video in the build up to John Cena versus Great Carly, which features um, Great Carly's build as he destroys Shawn Michaels and also attacks John Cena. Uh, they then strangely do a tale of the tape before, yeah, yeah. which I bloody love, which I, I like, I think they should do more often. It's just, but in this instance, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are so unused to doing this that they literally have yeah. no idea what they're supposed to say whilst they yeah. do the tale. Uh, of the tape. He's, he's, he's tall and uh, he's got, um, he's got some arms and I, uh, yeah. Uh, shoot, uh, shoot size. Shoe sizes on there. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so was like what? I can't understand like the height and weight and the reach. But then they're like, oh, and a shoe size. He's an eighteen quadruple E. Then they're yeah. like, well, so what's that mean? Who's who gets who's got the benefit in that? Does that mean that John Cena can stamp on his feet easier? <laughs> well, also that's the main thing that they concentrate on because Jerry Lawler goes, what's a quadru- quadruple E? And then Jim Ross goes, well, I think it's a four E. And that, that's all they talk about, really. They, they, they yeah. forget about everything else. It's just, it's, it's just so weird. Inexpertly done. They just aren't aren't used to it at all. Yeah. Um, it's a big pop for Cena when he comes out in there. Yeah, so th- there is indeed, and that was what I was going to talk about because when John Cena comes out, you see a, the camera goes to a lot of women in the crowd who are visibly excited to see John Cena. And that's what I was talking about earlier on about the different kind of ways in which different fans respond to different wrestlers. And certainly it's interesting because this is something that has, if you listen to kind of people talk about pro wrestling and the history of pro wrestling, this is something that has perhaps been, I think wrestling has put over the idea that women won't, didn't watch wrestling or haven't watched wrestling as much as men. But in the history of pro wrestling, they certainly have done like women were a massive part of the audience in, in, in Von Eriks. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that was a major part of why the baby faces, the good looking baby faces were good looking baby faces because the women loved them. Um, it's just that in kind of modern times, we've kind of got to that point where, oh, yeah, re- women don't watch wrestling, which is obviously ridiculous, especially now with them having women wrestlers and, and therefore kind of role models, especially if they're looking to be wrestlers themselves. So it was interesting that this happened in 2007. And they were visibly showing this. And John Cena got a very positive response from the crowd. There wasn't any booing from what I heard. It was completely pure cheers. And again, maybe speaking to the fact they were in a more traditional wrestling town in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, But just interesting. I thought that was quite an interesting thing that happened on the show. They got got to give it up for for sexy John Cena. Not a dry (laughs) seat in the house. (laughs) 
<laughs> on on Cena, this is his worst in-ring garb. By no, 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 it's no. so boring. It's generic crap. Um, give me Luminous. Or I want him to bloody pump his trainers up. Tom, what was your... What, why do you think it wasn't his worst? Was it because yeah. it was understated? What's your beef? What's your beef? He's got nice trainers on. Yeah, he wearing crap T-shirt, crap shorts. Oh, the T-shirt is awful. The T-shirt yeah. is pretty cool. Don't you see, like, Hustling Flow or something on it as well? No, it says, um... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing if it did say, I don't know. So you, you learn something new, though, from every pay-per-view, don't you? Because I learned that JR doesn't understand what a pun is. Because JR says... Excuse the pun, John Cena might have to get extreme. <laughs> There's no pun in there. This one only lasts eight minutes and yes. is won by Cena when Carly taps out to the STFU. The, the fans seem universally happy about John Cena winning. Any thoughts, Tom? Do you know what? Weirdly, I really enjoyed this match. And the simple reason is that the fans are into it the entire yeah. time. The, fan, the fans are up for it, and that, and as we've said multiple times, you can have an absolute dog shit match, but if the crowd are into it, that makes it so much better. And that match, this match, I enjoyed more than any other, any other match, and I can put it down entirely to the fans. There was a genuinely impressive roundhouse kick from the great Kali at yes. one point. Now, admittedly, he's quite tall, so he doesn't need to lift his leg up that high, but still, it's, it was pretty impressive. The crowd are into it, and at the end of it, Jar says... My God, King. We all know that John Cena's got supersized guts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about John Cena's bowel movements. You had a protein you... must eat as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I, I like Tommy. I didn't mind this. I love the love the commentators. Like the Cena and the commentators are selling their bloody hearts out. So we've got some great Kali statements from the commentators. He's blocking out the sun. Not a human. <laughs> Arms like a large man's leg. <laughs> An anvil-sized right hand of Kali that hits Cena. But I've got a problem with it. And my problem is with the finish. Yeah. So you've got... Kali is literally ripped the asshole out of every competitor in the roster. We've seen that in the build. Shawn Michaels, fuck off. Orton, fuck off. Hornswoggle, fuck off. Everyone, done. Cena, he he, t- he takes a little bit of a beating. Eight minutes, submission old, done. So my problem with it is where the fucking hell do you go from there? Where does Cena go? Cena's just beaten someone who's torn through the roster. Carly is done instantly. They have a rematch at the next pay-per-view. Cena beats him again. Of course he does. And I was just like, at the end of it, that was kind of what I could think. Like Tommy said, crowd are fucking loving it. They're popping big. They're absolutely loving it. But what's like in a critical way? I was just like, really? Come on, lads. Come on. Could he not win? Could he not win? Well, I think like, I think this is the problem with the great Kali's lack of skill here. Is how that, dare you? <laughs> if, if, if you imagine Kali being as good as, say, Vader. Me? <laughs> being as good as, say, Vader. Um you, you'd be like, yes, put the title on him. He's amazing. He's fantastic. Like, he's brilliant. But he's not. And you know you can only go eight minutes with him. So you can't have him hold the title because then he's got to defend it the next month and then he's got to keep hold of it. But this is the problem with the great Carly is that he's he's massive. He's just a really tall bloke. But that's it. There's nothing mm. else about him. And they've done everything they can 
in fairness, to handle him well and build him to this point where he gets a title shot against the main babyface in the company and therefore have a main event match. But there's nowhere else to go because you can't give him the title because he's not good enough to hold the title. And so that's the problem here. And But I do agree with you. They could have at least made it so that, I don't know, Carly did something that was like maybe he did that roundhouse kick. Cena had fallen to the ground outside the ring and got counted out, maybe, so that you could then say, look, you know, Carly still is undefeated and he needs another shot, uh, shot another match. <laughs> <laughs> He's just busting for a shit. He's, he's got Cena-sized guts, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, or like you've done this like big choke thing through a table. Cena yeah, or out. something where basically he still wins and has a legitimate reason to have a, a rematch. They do have a rematch at the next pay-per-view, but you've already seen Cena beat him. So it's all a bit yeah. kind of academic. But I just, as I say, I don't really, other than doing that, which would have been a bit of a poor ending to what was a, as I said, a pedestrian show. You, you know, you you kind of don't have anywhere else to go with him anyway because he's just not good enough. How yeah. about if the uh, the great Kali hit Cena with a shooting star press? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if he did that, just end wrestling. I told you this is exactly yeah. how I felt about the Brock Lesnar shooting star press at WrestleMania 19. If you'd hit it, you could just give up. There's nothing else to do. Um, yeah. And if Carly had done it's it, completed. I feel the same way. It's just classic WWE, isn't it? It's just, especially this time, from what I understand, with Cena. Like we've said, crowd love it. Crowd are into it. Crowd aren't thinking about it as deeply as I, I have over the last week, just constantly mulling it over. But uh, what a waste. The other interesting thing here is that what WWE were trying to do was try and mimic, again, the territory system in terms of Raw and SmackDown. So Great Carly, they build him up massively, then give him these two main event matches against John Cena, which happen in this month and the next month. And then he gets drafted to SmackDown. So they've kind of they've built him up as this monster heel in the same way as the territory would. They've then put him up against their lead babyface. The lead babyface has overcome him. And then that that heel would then move on to the next territory. That's effectively what they try to do here with Raw and SmackDown. Of course, the problem is, is it's the same audience watching all the same yeah. stuff. So they've yeah. seen Carly lose to Cena. So it just, it was never going to be able to be replicated again on SmackDown. But they do build them really well in the build-up to this match. And as you say, it's about as good as, as we said at the top of the programme, really. It is about as good as a great Carly john Cena match is going to be. They kept it short to eight minutes and... Yeah, they got through it relatively entertainingly and the fans certainly enjoyed his victory. So let's talk about our overall thoughts and our rating out of 10 and our match of the night. Tom, why don't you go? It matched my expectations, which were not high. So at least I got that. I didn't really like this pay-per-view at all. I didn't think there was one match that I would consider to be good on there. They're passable at the best. Um, my match of the night is the match we just discussed, <laughs> Great Carly versus John Cena, which, considering that I was dreading it the entire time, goes to show goes to show where it is. I'd like to implement another little bit in this as well, actually, lads. Okay. We could do MVP of the card. Not MVP, but who you <laughs> think. You know, there's usually someone in the card that you, that we, that you enjoy a lot, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and my MVP is John Cone. So yeah, I thought so a little thing about that as well. Who you think your MVP of this is as well? But uh, in terms of overall score, I'm giving it a three. It wasn't very good, and I find it boring quite a lot of it. And yeah, I did, did genuinely struggle. In fact, little peek behind the curtain. I started watching it a couple of days ago. Got bored. 
and I had to get up really early this morning and watch it. And make <laughs> watch it. So I watched the majority. I watched it from the CM Punk match this morning. Wow, it's not a good show at all. Like the one-paced matches, some of which went far too long. And as I've alluded to, it sets his stall out in the opener with plodding and working on a limb. And they then keep it going. So there is at least a theme running through the pay-per-view, I suppose. But <laughs> plodding and slow. <laughs> yeah, it feels very lazy. The three main matches, obviously, Orton Michaels is weird. And as like we've kind of touched upon, like Tinky said, probably why it wasn't really advertised. It's a bit naughty, really, for, for the paying audience. Um, Edge and Batista is odd, probably because of Batista's cough. And Cena Kali is obviously, as expected, I don't like the finish, as I've touched upon. The match of the night, barely, to be honest, is the tag match. And my MVP of the night is Shawn Michaels for his crap acting when he was doing the uh, switching music. And it's getting a two from me, a two mm. out of ten. Don't be sad, because two out of ten ain't bad. <laughs> Nice. Um, I'm going to give the rating at uh, a five out of ten. A I five? Think... Are you fucking pissed? <laughs> he's been on the bloody gack again. Um, Get him off. He, he's he's not fit to host. The thing is, is I didn't think there was anything terrible on this show. I just thought there was lots of, as I said, pedestrian. It was just a very pedestrian show. Uh, I thought, like, I wasn't as low on the Ric Flair Carlito match. I thought the Hardy Boys versus Trevor Murdoch and Lance Cade was actually genuinely a good match. I'd put it on my recommended a list of recommended matches to watch. Um, I thought the Benoit MVP match was better than you guys thought it was. I thought the Carly Cena match was as good as it could be batista versus edge was okay i mean don't go wrong we 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 would have it would have been better if it had been it could have been better by their standards but it was fine for what it was and i thought i quite enjoyed the michael's orton uh whole angle as opposed to really being a match so i i didn't dislike any of this and i didn't really get bored i just just was a bit pedestrian and i just thought there's nothing to it. It's just a bit, meh. Yeah. It's a bit meh. But yeah, my match tonight is definitely a tag match. I thought that was easily the best match and, and, and really enjoyable. In terms of an MVP of the night, God, that is hard. I think I might just give it to Trevor Murdoch because I thought, on, as I said, I was quite impressed by Murdoch and Cade. Did you say you've got a list of recommended matches? I, I missed that. I'm, I kind of, I'm trying to build one at the moment. Yeah, it's going to take a while to get it together to the point I want it to be. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was just, you're right, old man, ridiculously similar, like the matches, like why they, no one caught on to the fact that you've got, you know, even, so obviously an open match, Ric Flair's rotator cuff is the, is the story, then you've got CM Punk's ribs in the third match, you've got Shawn Michaels' concussion in the fourth match, which is what is all built around. Um, you've got the the Chris Benoit injuries that he's apparently got in his match with MVP. Uh, you've got Edge and Batista where Edge is working over Batista's leg. It's just nonstop. Like how not just working over body parts, but people carrying injuries into the matches. Like it's just like there's just too much of the same stuff on it. So very uh, repetitive, I'm pedestrian, also, but not terrible. It does ask questions about how safe the working environment is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because people shouldn't people shouldn't be going into work injured and they shouldn't be going home from work injured on a stretcher. I've been RKO's. You imagine that? Imagine if um it was literally a match about CM Punk's ribs, i.e. he'd been eating some ribs for dinner <laughs> and Elijah Burke nicked them from him and it was a rack of ribs on a pole match. <laughs> I tell you what, that that would have been better. 
I bet, and yeah. that would have been a, a big rib on both of them if that had been. Ah, oh, that's lovely. So just one last thing from me. Uh, if you haven't already done so, get yourself over to Twitter, Instagram, or fake fake book. <laughs> can't speak at the moment or facebook and give us a little follow at rwr pod uk for all our social channels you can also find me personally at tink holloway on twitter and tom at the real tom smith old man is not plugged into the matrix unfortunately but you can now see exclusive pictures of mr kerry on our instagram so check that out are they nude? So I can't remember. I don't know. How many have you taken in the past? Uh, well, thousands. Yeah, <laughs> thousands, I reckon. They're likely to be somewhere then. They're likely to be somewhere yeah. on the internet. Just just keep on the internet. And on that note, we will uh, bring an end to today's show. Old man, thank you for uh, joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Um, it might have been Judgment Day for us, but it wasn't Judgment Day for everyone. Because everyone, remember, Kempatera. And uh, Thomas, thank you also for your contributions. Um, you're welcome. Can we talk about someone who didn't have a contribution on the show? Yes. Kane was <laughs> on the fucking show. He was on the promotional poster. Again, why would you do that? This is nonsense. Don't do it. Have a fucking word with yourself, all right? Have a fucking word with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to have a strong stone word with myself later. You make we'll sure you do. Um, and thank you all to our listeners who have joined us. Uh, we'll be back again next week. But until then, take care. <laughs>